Welcome back, everybody, to the Abundant Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Nick James, along with my guest co-host, Tyler from Tennessee. Tyler, how are you? Fantastic. It's going It's going great. Weather is flawless here. Yeah, you know what? You say it's flawless there. The last time you and I talked, we were sitting in about five to six inches of snow, and you were rocking shorts and a t-shirt in about 80-degree uh, Tennessee weather. So spring has clearly come. It's here. Everything's yeah. starting to bloom. That's it. No, that's great. Well, hey, we got a great show lined up today. Thanks for joining us. We got a guest whose name is Zebediah Wade. He's somebody I've gotten to know through business in the Pacific Northwest in the last couple of years. I love Zeb's story because he's been around entrepreneurs his whole life. He sees the value in networking, having multiple income streams, and really embraces the mindset of outworking people. I know you're always working all the time, Zeb, so we're happy you could be here. Not only that, but he's dedicated to giving back in the community. We're excited to hear a little bit more about your story. Zeb, how you doing? Thanks for being on the show. Doing pretty good. Uh, definitely jealous of the weather. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think it snowed last night. Ooh. Oh, yeah. It's like Pacific Northwest. I thought it was supposed to be moderate and you know mild. We um, can't get away from it, can we? No. I mean, it's great for the mountain. Don't get me wrong. 200 inches you know, up on the mountain right now is ideal, but I'm starting to get ready for golf. So. Yeah, no. It, golf season hopefully is around the corner. Are, are you a snowboarder, skier? Snowboarder, yeah. Okay. How, have, you, uh, have you always done that or... Yeah, I used to, when I grew up, I grew up in Sandy, which is about an hour from the mountain. Um, okay. So I, I spent a lot of my childhood up on the mountain. Um, nice. In my seventh day Adventist school I went to for elementary, uh, we actually had Thursday snow day. Oh, and nice. So every Thursday, the whole school, whoever wanted to, would just go up to the mountain, and that's how we uh, spent our day. <laughs> that's my kind of school. Zeb, if you want to, um, if you want to do some research on the side of some really exquisite skiing, uh, you should just look up Ober Gatlinburg. Okay. And uh, it'll change your life. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it snows in the south. Yeah, I didn't either. It's, <laughs> it's, all, it's all fake. It's yeah. all fake snow. It's one of the most atrocious experiences. You will ever have. <laughs> it could be worthwhile for, you know, try to make it a business meeting just for the experience. Right? That's right. No. No, the chances no. of injury are quite high. <laughs> oh, jeez. You got rocks and everything. Oh, yeah. Rocks exposed. It's uh, it's rough. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a military course. See if you can survive it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> if you can ski at Ober Gatlinburg, you can ski anywhere. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, well, Zeb, again, thanks for jumping in and joining with us. You, you mentioned, you started to touch on a little bit of your growing up, but that's where I'd love to start. Let's, uh, let's hear your story. You know, where are you from? What was life like growing up? Just take it away however you want. Sure. Um, well, as I mentioned, I, I grew up in a small town in uh, kind of a, I don't know, central northwest of Oregon. Um, pretty close to the mountain, pretty close to the beach. So I had a, a fair amount of outdoor activity. That's what I, I'm really passionate about in my life anyways. Uh, I've done for years and years. It's kind of my, I call it my God time, uh, my my time. Uh, yeah. Going out fishing, going out hiking, and, and I've learned that since being a kid. Um, I uh, went to four different high schools. Um, got kicked out of two of them. 
um, and still managed to keep a shirt on my back. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those of you that get kicked out, it's okay. I got kicked out for religious reasons. I disagreed oh. with uh, church leadership. Wow. Um, and they didn't like that. So uh, got booted out. Um, but spent a number of years in California. Went to Shasta College. Um, went to a school of ministry. Tested that out. Thought I was going to be a youth pastor because the impact a couple of my youth pastors had made on me. Hmm. I wanted to make a similar impact um, in between realizing that it was really hard to, to make ends meet and then having a mentor of mine uh, give me a job opportunity in the Bay Area, making 180 k at 18 years old or 19 wow. years old. I kind of went with the let's go make some money and, and then try to be a you know good servant uh, moving through. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my, my childhood was was pretty awesome. My dad was gone a lot, but he, he had a, a very large investment banking firm called J&W Capital Partners at offices in Seattle, uh, Portland, Sacramento, Denver, private plane, you know, the life. It was pretty, it was pretty cool. Um, flying on his, his plane to the beach or flying on it to a Seattle Mariners game or you know, things of that sort. Um, getting in trouble in, in the different businesses he ran because I was the CEO son running around causing havoc, eating everyone's candy, you know, the typical young boy <laughs> thing. Being a middle child too, I obviously wanted to get in trouble. Um, yeah, so that's right. That's what yeah, we were made for. That's it's born, man. It's yeah, it's it's in me. Um, <laughs> Those middle children. Yeah. So yeah, but it you know, I, I played a lot of sports too. Um I was pretty, I was decent at basketball. I liked lacrosse. I had a lot of fun playing that on, on the West coast. When I was playing it, it was pretty new on the East coast. It was much bigger. Um, so I remember going, we took a trip to Florida to go play lax and, um, just got destroyed, uh, by these kids that actually know how to play. <laughs> you know, we thought we were hot stuff coming from out of California. <laughs> that was your first humbling experience. Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, you, Playing against these guys that are six five, can run a four six, and I'm sitting here at you know if I'm nice to myself six foot, and you know I'm not two hundred forty pounds running a four six. I'm a no. I'm like oh man, I'm trying to catch up. So yeah. that's right. Yeah, um, but it was yeah, it was it was a great childhood. Um, you know we and and I had the loss. I lost a couple best friends, which really taught me. Hmm. kind of the uh you never know what's going to happen yeah. at a young age you know you just kind of accept what it is and, and you know you go through the or i went through the oh maybe i can't have best friends i can't have good relationships because they might lose and i matured into well no that's why relationships are so important because they may not be there tomorrow and so invest deep and i've transitioned that into my business network invest yeah. deep uh, deep and wide with the people you know and you like to work with um, and mm. don't complicate it past that. So I love that. Yeah. It's been fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and, and, you know, again, you and I have spent a little bit of time getting to know each other. And I, I think I might even label you as a serial networker because you're always out there meeting new people finding the value and building relationships. So did you start that way in terms of your business? I mean, what, what, what were some of your early jobs? Were you helping at your dad's company or what did that look like? 
Yeah, when I was probably 15, when I first could read an Excel spreadsheet and could do reasonable amount of math, um, I started helping my dad out in the office and and running numbers and doing doing analysis. Um, My first real job was at a restaurant, an organic uh, restaurant, uh, which do not ever try to do that. Your customer base is so freaking like picky and oh gosh. Um, I wouldn't. What state was that in? That was in California. Yeah, California exactly. It was called Gorilla Bites, uh, and the idea was it's it was based off of the gorilla's diet, so a whole lot of lettuce, wow, plants. But we had salmon, and we had some bison burger, some other stuff. Um, But I, uh, the owner, ended up having some some. Uh, family issues. And so I had to step in at a young age and start managing the shop. Um, How old were you? Do you remember? Uh, 17. Wow. Um, and, and the only reason that he picked me to do that is because I was the only one that could read the bank statements and read the P&L. And so I could explain whether or not we can make payroll and yeah. here's how, and here's why. Um, and wow. so I started that out pretty young, um, worked that through high school, through college, uh, and I never finished college. Um, I didn't see the the point in finishing college for me. I was making, I started, I got the opportunity to go make a bunch of money. And I was like, well, why would I go back to college? I'm making more money than my brother who just got a degree. Um, mm. and, you know, I, older or I, younger brother? Older. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so three-year-old. I, I, know, I know all about that life. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, I'm not going to go waste money on this sucker. And, and I don't, not to say it's a waste of money, but for me, uh, it would have, it would have not made any sense. Uh, it really just hasn't. Um, so what were, you, what were you in school for? I originally was business administration, um, okay. with a kind of focusing on economics. Um, because I, I like numbers. I like to understand why something's becoming what it is. And then here's the historical track. Here's, you know, how we got to this point you know, and, and trying to understand, you know, one of the things that it's really hard to teach is accounting, right? So you gotta, you gotta get into a class really to understand accounting and then gap first in, first out, you know, last in, last out, whatever. Um, and, and to try to learn that on YouTube or learn that through working experience is really hard to do. Um, so I, that was the primary initial classes I was taking was, was the accounting side to try to make sure I actually knew what I was doing because I was taught it at a young age. And so I just naturally, but I didn't know the terms. Yeah. I didn't know why I was doing it this way. I just knew that was the right way to do it. And that's how I right. was taught. Um, so I learned, well, this is why, because the feds say this sure. is what you need to do. <laughs> so, oh, okay, got it. So interesting. You know, I, I think that, I think that that's a, um, that's a pretty unique position. So if you don't mind me asking, how many years ago is that that you were in college? What year were you in college? 10, 10 years ago. So 10 years ago. So yeah, like a full decade ago. I mean, like that's the idea of leaving college. You're kind of labeled as a dropout. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that like I, in student ministry, I mean, this is, this is something that's really, really, um, a massive topic of conversation right now because there's a there's there's a plethora of degrees that you could go kind of find your way and choose one and land and and then there are obviously 
degrees that are absolutely essential if you're going to pursue a certain field. So like if you're going to go be a surgeon, you're going to go to medical school. No, no ifs, ands or buts about it. That's just the way that it is. But it's interesting to me that even, even 10 years ago, you know, being, being a college dropout was way more taboo than it is today. Um, And I think, I think the shift that has taken place maybe even is, you know, where leaving college then was sort of like, oh my gosh, what are you going to do with your life? Yeah. yeah. Not going to college at all is sort of where we are now. Like if you yeah. were to fast forward, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's like, you know, leaving it was bad, but not going is even worse. Yeah. Well, and a lot of it I found was generational, you know, mm-hmm. where like having a very successful father, um, who was the first to really go make a buck. His, his parents were military and teachers. Yeah. Um, didn't have any money. No idea what, no concept of money. And then he and his brother just took off and, and made it happen. Um, well, both he and his brother have been ex- incredibly successful. Um, that's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, me stepping out and saying, no, I didn't get any pushback from my father. My father has, has been the greatest example and, and the most wonderful man I've ever known. Hmm. Um, he didn't push it. He said, hey, you know, you might want to. But you have a skill set, and he taught me that uh, at a very young age, two key things was, one, if you're going to do something, do it right the first time. If it's mm. worth doing, you do it right the first time. But two is, if you can learn how to sell, you'll never be hungry. Um, and, and so I, I took that to heart and said, oh, I mean, I don't need to do this, this, and this. No, I, I don't. Because if I can do these things that I already have figured out I'm good at, then I'm good to go. Um, it, it's awesome that you had a dad that was an advocate in that. What would, what would be your advice to somebody who's like, they're navigating like, Oh my gosh. I mean, obviously you had the practicality of like, Hey, I've got an opportunity to go make a lot of money. And Mm -hmm. so that had a significant impact on your decision, but simultaneously, that's not the only factor that's taking place. Right. I mean, so there's the, there's the friend dynamic. There is, uh, the social pressures that are, that are, that are at play, And, you know, some, some people may not have a dad that goes, bro, I'm all for you. Like if you, if you can go attack the business world without a degree, I'm, I'm in your corner, let's go do it. Um, what would, what would you say to the person who doesn't have that? Uh, and the person who's in the middle of that conflict, because even though you made it through it, it seemingly, you know, it's obviously easier said than done, but there's just the reality is a lot of emotional pressures and societal pressures that exist with somebody trying to make that type of a decision, maybe to not go to college at all uh, or to walk away from a college degree. Um, what would be your, your advice to somebody like that? Um, well, I, I think there's something I live by is the idea that work, there's two ways to work. There's a way to work because you love it and you make money and so you can live a life or you work so that you can do the things you Um, and so anyone that's in a situation in which, Hey, am I going to go get education to further this, this work that I want to do, or I need to do, um, you have to put it into perspective and understand, I mean, the way that it is today, um, you can make more money going to a trade school immediately than you can going and getting a four year degree, getting a master's degree. Uh, if you want to go be a welder, um, you'll make 140k. That's insane. That did not oh, used yeah. to be the case. You want to no. go be a plumber. You want to go be an electrician. 
um, with prevailing wage and everything else that's going on, you can make a heck of a lot more money doing that. Now, where it gets complicated is what do you want to do? And, yeah. and, and, you know, do you, do you want to sit in a shop? Do you want to go lay lines under a house? Do you want to go in an attic of a house? Is that something, you know, and you have to consider body deterioration. Are you okay that it's most likely that you'll be able to do this and then you might be in pain in the rest of your life? Um, it, everything comes with an opportunity cost and everything has an effect. And I mean, the best, the best advice is, is really to try it, test out what you want to do and do not conform to this pressure that, you know, I'm a young man, I'm a young woman, you know, today's world is, uh, especially for, for women, I've seen it, it, and this is my opinion, but it's turned into this focus of career is everything. Mm. And for men, it's been career is everything. And I would challenge you to say, no, career is, is great if you have this dream of being, you know, some superstar or whatever it is in, in whatever realm and you know what your passion is. But if you don't know what your passion is, go try. Just go test it out. You know, go get an internship. Go get uh, a, a test run with a, a school. You know, especially if you're in high school, there's so many programs that you can step into. Um in, in many areas, I mean, the state and local government funds a heck of a lot of it. Yeah. Um, you can go step in and, and try. Like, do you like woodworking? You know, why not? Go try it out. Yeah. I think that's such a liberating concept for people because we, we still are experiencing kind of the, 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 the typical construct of, you know, you've got middle school, you've got high school. By your senior year, you need to have a really good idea of where you're going to school and what your major is that you're declaring and uh, your ACT score needs to be up and every sort everything, everything even within a high school context is sort of geared towards prepping for college. And obviously I'm not completely against college, but I do think that it reached a pedestal in society that, that wasn't, uh, necessarily appropriate. In fact, I was just talking to a guy who was, um, he was, uh, a, a, a higher up in this massive company. And one of the things that they had as a branch of their company, they had to hire mechanical engineers that were connected to mining mm-hmm. and um they shifted uh i think it was a couple decades ago to saying like hey we're only going to hire uh, mechanical engineers and miners who have uh four-year degrees and uh and so they their entire company shifted to this policy and um, their stock went through the basement and their uh their 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 income their net their net income at the end of the year significantly decreased because they had a group of people that didn't have experiential knowledge of the actual field and so they actually went back and went and rehired all of the people that had experience on the job hands-on experience and uh their profits went up their losses went down um, you know, their stock went through the roof. They were a publicly traded company. And I think just hearing from somebody like you who, who has grown up in a, in a significant context, you know, of, of business with your dad to say like, go try something is such a freeing concept, um, to hear that from people that it, for all intents and purposes, they've made it and they've been extremely successful. It's like, when we were growing up, the only the only thing that in the megaphone that we were able to hear was like, go to college and get a four year degree. That's the only way. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. I think it's just a really sweet encouragement for people from you. It's just like, man, you don't know if you love woodworking or not. Go try it. Who's stopping you? Uh, but I think one of the inhibitors is 
the, you know, everybody's looking at their life and they feel like they're running out of time constantly. Yeah. Life is what would you say, How do you navigate the whole time conundrum as a, as a young person who feels constantly like we're behind and we should be further than we are? How would you help them navigate that? Get off social media. Oh, say it loud. <laughs> yeah, just I, I mean, comparison is is known as the only way to know whether or not something's good or bad. Mm. But when when you're thinking about you as an individual, you have nothing to compare itself except for you a year ago. Mm. Right? You can't wow. compare yourself to someone else. You can only compare yourself to yourself because that's the only apple to apple. Um, yeah. So it's, I mean, I I just encourage people go live life because life is long. It's, it is not a short period of time. It it may seem like it's blowing by. Um, And if you're busy, it is blowing by. I mean, shoot, we're in March and I'm sitting here thinking, I thought it was January because I got so much to do this year. And I have so many plans that I'm trying to execute. I'm trying to build out a new department. I'm trying to do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, oh gosh. All right. Uh, Oh, well, I'm also getting married this year. Uh, put your nose down and get it done. You know? like Whatever. But what do I have to compare? Well, last year I was in a different position, a lot more stressed out, was getting a heck of a lot of white hair in my beard, white grays in my, in, in my head. And now I'm kind of like, oh, man, I can breathe a little bit because I'm not panicking about all of this stuff because I'm testing something. And I'm trying something and I built a lily pad to walk on and say, all right, here's my minimum baseline. Now I get to explore and say, I've put all this time in and I'm going to use it. Um, and, and that came through just trying. Just, yeah. Why not? You know, what do I, again, what do I have to lose? I mean, I, I, I've, I think I, I ring true to this. If you learn how to sell, you'll never be hungry. So go figure out how to sell something. Right. And if you can sell something, and you can realize that I can always go sell something to make a buck to eat. You will relieve the amount of pressure that you have typically in any environment where, you know, especially if you have a family or you're trying to have a family one day. Being a salesman or being of mind that I can sell fish and I can teach people how to fish and I can still make a buck even by having other people learn how to fish. Life becomes easy at that point. Yeah. It's awesome. No, that's great. And I I think, you know, the stuff you're sharing and the stuff we're talking about doesn't just apply to high school or college kids because I'm having conversations with adults who are, you know, afraid to take a step out and try new things. They are afraid to make new movements or new decisions or, you know, that we, we oftentimes at Abundant Journey say, you know, complacency is the enemy. And mm-hmm. I think you're really speaking to that in, in terms of be willing to, to take a step out, do it calculated, do it smart, do it intelligently, but you have to be willing to keep moving forward and not out of a fear that you're running out of time, but really out of a realization that you have your own journey to be on and you can continue to grow and, and continue to, uh, to get better every day. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and something I, <clears throat> and any individual I'm looking to hire, or bring on um, something I look for hungry, humble, and smart. Yeah. Those three things. That's yeah. Awesome. And if you're hungry, humble, and smart, you will always be successful. 
Oh yeah. Doesn't matter Absolutely. what you're doing. And, and I don't know. I mean, I, I spend my days and weeks talking to business owners like you do. And I don't know that there's a business owner out there that would disagree with that. No. I mean, if they, they want that and, and they take that over skill or ability any day of the week. Or a piece of paper that hangs on the wall. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Well, I'm curious, jumping a little bit back into your story, and I want to hear a little bit more about what you're doing today, but we've kind of built this foundation of things that you have learned from your time with dad and business in early, early, early years. What are some of those nuggets that you, you say are maybe either skills or habits or traits that you recognized and you picked up? that's really helped you get to where you are today. I, I think you just said it with the humble and obviously eager, willing to learn, hardworking, but what are some other ones? Well, I, I, the biggest one is always going to be anything worth doing is worth doing right the first time. <clears throat> and um, taking that outlook on the things and the steps that you take, whether it be in relationships or whether it be in your, your work or in your process, um, do it right the first time. Otherwise, it's not worth doing. Well, let, let me ask you this. like, How does failure fit into that? Uh, cur- cur- curious, cur- curious, like, all right, you got to do it right the first time. But I know you have a mindset. You fail forward. I mean, you and I have had conversations about that. So how does failure tie into something like that? <clears throat> well, you're only as good as the information you have. So okay. if, let's say, you know, using that, that, that statement, um, I'm going to do this to the best of my ability. And if I fail, I still did it right to what I knew, to what I understood, and to how I was able to figure it out. Um, does not mean you're going to make a million dollars. Does not mean you know this is going to be uh, the the rock star of energy drinks all of a sudden that that you try to create. Um, and that, I, I tried to create an energy drink, it didn't work. Um, <laughs> but I tried. <laughs> I gave it my best shot. Um, sure. And, and that's all you can do. So failure is really a stepping stone to the future because you get to take a step back and say, oh, shoot, look at what I did do. And here's what was successful. And and, and if you can do an after action report is, is what I call it. Um, yeah. You do an after action report and you say, OK, what did work? What didn't work and why? And try to dissect yeah. why. Um, and why is a big thing that people say is like, know your why so cheesy but it's so true like, <laughs> i get so tired of hearing people say that yeah it, it i do too like it's true like i get it um i agree it's an appropriate question but some people wrap their entire life around that question to where you can't talk about what you're gonna have for lunch without them being like so what's the why behind this yeah what's the why of this burger because well, i want it yeah <laughs> So you made a statement there. I mean, I think this is just incredible content for somebody that's just finding themselves in a position where they're navigating, uh, you know, whether it's discontentment or whatever it may be. But you just said failure is a stepping stone forward. Like, you know, that's 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 an that's an entire overhaul of what we believe in our heart of hearts. Like we believe failure is you know, a magnifying glass on our insufficiencies and our inabilities. How have you seen in your life? How have you seen that quantify itself 
and prove itself to be true that failure actually because it's a it's a cute phrase like failure is a stepping stone but i think many of us have lived that i mean like we've lived the failure that we've walked through the bad decisions that we've made uh or the things that we could have done better actually pr- prove some uh, some some viable you know benefit to us how have you seen that to be true for your life um, in a lot of ways, I, I mean, the, I think one of the, the best examples is relationship. So, um, you know, you try to, to build a network of people that can be trusted partners, can be uh, people that can get you indoors, can help you progress, whether it be mentors or friends or, or whoever. Sometimes failure looks like investing in the individual that steals the concept from Hmm. okay, why? <laughs> what did I miss? And why did this happen? Because, yeah. holy cow, I brought you up. I helped you. I, I gave you a place to live. I did all these things and you stole. Why? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, what I figured out out of it is desperate people do desperate things. Um, it's no, it's nothing I did. It's just recognizing that this is what happens. And, and I think where people have to get comfortable with failure is that it happens and and while it may not be something that you can tangibly say you know on a on a note card like this is what happened and here's how i'm going to move forward and not do this again failure does not always look like something you can quantify Hmm. failure is just something that occurs and if you become comfortable with failure and accepting because again this all comes i think it all comes to judgment of yourself judgment of the self where you sit there and say, oh, I have to be this great superhero or this man or this woman or whatever the heck you've decided in your mind that you're supposed to be. Failure is something that it shines a spotlight and says, oh, I'm not this person. Well, if you get outside of the self mindset and stop believing I need to be and instead I am and I'm just going to do, well, failure just becomes I mean, for me, it becomes a learning lesson. It can be simply a, oh, didn't know that was possible. That's new. That's an, that's a story I can share. Um, it, it doesn't always have to be something that helps me progress forward. Maybe it's something that helps someone else progress forward. Um, so, you know, failure is not a simple concept and is not something that's always quantified. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Fire. <laughs> 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 no, I, I love that. And I, I think you're exactly right. I, you know, we, we consistently talk about the fact that people, you know, again, it, even like you're saying, it's easy to say, but people really are afraid to fail. And that fear holds them back from moving yeah. forward. That fear holds them back from taking those kinds of risks. So I think failure and risk do go hand in hand. You know, I know you have some banking background. You've seen Obviously, you watch dad be an entrepreneur. You have been that yourself. How do you approach risk, maybe in the marketplace and as you make decisions, as you you journey in your path forward? I'm pretty – I'm very interested in risk. Um, Let's put it this way. uh, I've been part of a number of startups, and I've lived the – the penthouse life all the way to an RV with an electrical cord from my buddy's house to put the heater on. Wow. Um, so, and, and the penthouse was first, the RV was second. 
and then I <laughs> came, came back. All right. Oh man. <laughs> so I've experienced. That's a tough uh, night. Yeah. <laughs> That's a tough night. It it was a tough couple months. Um, <laughs> I I've seen how low I can go by testing and it wasn't that bad. Um, you know, in perspective, still could feed myself, still had, you know, somewhat of a roof. I wasn't homeless. Um, and, and I have luckily a support system that never would have been homeless, you know, and I, I probably made the mistake of not telling my dad that I was in this situation. Um, Mm -hmm. I told him about a year ago and he was looking at me like, are you an effing idiot? Why didn't you call me? Well, why would I call you? I needed to figure it out. Hmm. Like, what am I going to do? I'm going to go take your money. I don't get to learn. No. That's go. so good. That is so good. And that's so contrary to culture today. Oh, my gosh. It, it sucked. But, you know, it. <clears throat> Hold on. So can you tell us, like, I mean, I don't want to, like, I don't want you to go anywhere you don't necessarily want. But, like, sure. how did that happen? I mean, how <laughs> do you go from penthouse to, like. You're yeah, so, looking up to your buddy's 120 outlet on his garage. <laughs> it wasn't even a 120, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, well, it, it you know, in the tech world, you make a lot of money. And sales, it's it's a heck of a lot of money. They're, they were throwing money at us like crazy. Um, I had a team of sales guys, 30-some, building out an inside sales team, making a bunch of money, running the Texas, Oklahoma Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi region, Tolam. And uh, I decided I wanted to get out of the Bay Area. Okay. So getting out of the Bay Area for me looked like um, I didn't like the culture. I didn't like the parties at the strip clubs, the parties at the bars, um, making a, a shot sled out of our, our logo, um, you know, ice, ice sculpture logo that you pour liquor down and you have pretty ladies drinking. You know, it just, it wasn't my style. Uh, it wasn't yeah. the culture I wanted to be part of. Um, and so I made the decision to move back up uh, to Portland. And I, I picked up a job um, as a contractor. And the uh, company set me up in a beautiful place um, to work and live out of um, because I didn't have a house at the time to move into. And so um, that's that's the opportunity they gave me. Well, uh I decided to join teams with a individual um, that had been a mentor of mine and, and was an absolute genius and, and trusted another guy out of the East Coast. And, and the idea was we were going to create this medical company um, that would uh, pay uh, nurse practitioners to go around, drive around, and do these annual assessments. We can get paid for that, right? So my job was to build the call center for it. Um, well, what ended up happening is, uh, uh, there was fraud in the company. There was no money, there was no payroll. And so at a certain point as a young man, I was spending a lot of money, um, was not holding my money. Um, and, uh, I also had a girlfriend that, um, things changed to a level that, um, became very, very unhealthy. Um, and, uh, so everything kind of hit at once where I lost income. I was paying money to keep someone in a house because I couldn't live there, but she didn't have any other source of income and we had a lease. And so 
I had to pay a lot of money for this, didn't have any more money, didn't have a place to go because I was running out of my savings. Um, and so I called a buddy with an old RV and said, Hey, can I borrow this for a bit? <laughs> and, uh, um, I'll, uh, I'll clean it up. I'll fix it up for you while I'm living in it. Um, but I just, I just need a place, man. I just need a place to hang my head for, for a little bit of time and try to try to jump back up. Um, and I had a friend that was willing to let me bump power. And, and so that's, that's kind of how it happened. Wow. But I got so out. Single greatest <laughs> lesson that came, like typically there's a, there's probably a book worth of lessons out of that type of a season. Yeah. But like, what was the, what's the one single lesson you walk away with? Like that experience taught me this. Well, there's two different ones. There's the relationship side and then there's the business side. Um, on the business side, before you get into something, know how you get out of it. That's good. Um, don't, don't just jump in without knowing how you're getting out um, mm. and, and when to get out. Uh, on the relationship side, <clears throat> uh, just because it seems perfect, all your buddies are telling you this is a bad move mm. and your family is telling you probably a bad move um, and you keep saying it's going to be better, uh, you're essentially shooting yourself in the foot. And so it, it, it really turned into like, you know, my fiance today, my family loves her. My friends love her. I've got no question. This is the one. None. That's awesome. None. Um, but I wouldn't know that, you know, on, except for going through life experience and saying, let's try this. Let's see what happens here. Um, and you know, here I am. Those are great. Those are great lessons. I mean, there's been so many along your journey and along the way. Has there been some moments of like self-limiting belief or moments where, you know, doubt and, and what'd you do to overcome those? Definitely. Um, I've lost two best friends to freak accidents. Hmm. Um, I've got tattoos on for them. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I went through a period of time in which I didn't think I could have deep, deep relationship because I was afraid they would leave. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, and a choice to leave is one thing. A freak accident where they're gone is a whole other thing. Uh, yeah. And so I had to get, get with God and get with myself and recognize, hey, it's okay uh, to trust. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to um, have relationship and, and, and really just go for it because again, you don't know what's going to occur. Um, so, you know, that, and then in my business, I have tried a number of startups. Um, but you know, one of the uh, things I've learned is that just because others can't do it doesn't mean you can't. Um, and I've seen that, you know, being a young man where, I'm, I'm the youngest by 20 years, typically in every room I'm, I sit in. Right. And, there. <laughs> you know, and, but people listen and, but I didn't get to this point of confidence and, and communication still skills of saying, Oh man, I need to sit in the corner and be a, a, a fly on the wall. I, I learned, well, no, if, if you're in the room, someone thinks you have value. 
because you wouldn't be brought into the room unless you did. So take that little bit of information and then apply it to your own confidence and say, okay, I belong here. And, and, and walk in in every room that you enter into, you probably belong. Hmm. You're going to be able to do something. Um, That's great. How do you, how do you draw that tension between the, the confidence of the room that you walk in and one of the core tenets that you mentioned was humility? Because I think in, in particularly in, you know, whether it's business or sales or real estate or, or whatever, it, you know, you find yourself operating in, I think that there's, there's sort of a, a push for confidence because of how lacking confidence is, um, you know, uh, broad brushing just over the uh, societally, there's, there's typically a lacking in confidence, but what's the secret sauce of being confident in that moment, in that conversation, in that room with people that have 25 years of experience on you and at the same time being humble? Yeah. Well, being humble really for me is, don't talk about something you don't know anything about. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's good. It's kind of the easiest way to put it. You know, if you're, if you're selling or something and you get asked a question, don't bullshit it. Just be honest. And, and if you don't know the answer, you say, I don't know, let me get back to you. And be yeah. confident in that response. Um, you know, I, I've seen, there's definitely been clients of mine that expected the answer right then and there, but they, and that was an expectation, but they respected my willingness to say, you know what? I don't know, uh, off the top of my head, let me go find out for you though. And, yep. and people have found in, in my world that if I don't know something, I'll go figure it out. And, and then you'll have your answer. Uh, that's, you know, but <clears throat> confidence Confidence is key, but it's really, you know, the, the term that I always love is the fake it till you make it. You know, people are like, oh, I'm just going to fake it till I make it. There's a lot of truth to that. Right? <laughs> and, and, and I don't mean lying and BSing your way through everything. Right. But just because you don't know doesn't mean you can't figure it out. Yeah. And so you just have to delay. It's kind of like, you know, if you're on the clock press pause, figure it out and go back on the clock. It's okay. And have confidence to do that. Yeah. Be willing to do the work to go figure out the answer, mm -hmm. which it takes, right? I mean, like it, it, it's not like you can go, I don't know the answer to that. And then you just are going to by osmosis, figure out the answer. I mean, like you got to go do some legwork. You got to go dig, you got to go find, you got to go talk to the right people. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think that's one of the deterrents too, right? I mean, like for people, one, one being humble enough to say, I don't know, is a challenge in and of itself. But then the, just the the high levels of, of laziness that exist to say that I don't know, but I'll find out, yeah. all of a sudden ties you to an expectation in someone's mind that you're going to go do the work to find out, right? Yep. And so... Um, yeah, it's, 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 that's really interesting. And I think there's a lot of people who really respect that when you are upfront and honest about not having it all figured out, you're going to need, you know, especially in our line of work, Zeb, you got, you're going to need to know, and you're going to need to figure it out to be able to service them, sell, help, whatever you're trying to accomplish. You're going to need to get it figured out. But most, like you said, 
you and I are oftentimes in the room with guys 20 years older than us. They know a whole lot more than we think. And so if you are in there trying to blow smoke and act like you, you got it figured out when you don't have a clue, they're going to be able to pick up on that. Oh, they're going to sniff it out when the moment really you walk in. <laughs> You're going to be trailing a line of smoke that says, mm, no, this is a burnt brisket. Don't touch it. That's <laughs> 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 right there. <laughs> don't do it. That's great. Well, I, I want to fast forward a little bit here just to today's time and present day, what you're doing. I mean, I, I love the story. And of course, that's why I wanted you to be on here with both the things you've learned in experience and the things you've been taught. Um, I, I want to hit a couple things, but one, maybe just start out. What are you focused on today? And maybe share a little bit about business, but also your nonprofit and then your, your, the things you're passionate about. Cause I know that that's an exciting piece about your day in and day out life. Sure. Um, well, I, I, uh, I was working with my father's investment, uh, banking firm for a number of years and, uh, he made the decision to, uh, move to Florida, which was an incredible decision for him. He's living the beach life now. He's a, He's a SoCal surfer, doesn't want to ever touch California again, um, but Florida is the place to go. Place to be. As I have also witnessed. Um, and uh, so I, I just kind of came to this realization of, you know, hey, my brother was with me, but he he had to take off because he got an incredible job opportunity. And, and so this idea that I had of building the family office probably wasn't going to work out as, as well as I wanted. I didn't want to go get a line of credit. Uh, again, to hire people, um, and I didn't want to be responsible when I was stressing out myself. Uh, and so I, through my network, got connected with a, or, or had been connected with the owner of a large property casualty insurance agency. Um, and I, I said to them, hey, you know what I, I don't see any property casualty agencies doing is, is what I do, which is really owner liability. Having a conversation with an owner about their um, and, and, I'm, and I'm not talking about their general liability, their property risk. I'm talking about what if you lose your key supplier? What if you lose your key employee? What if your partner gets hit by the bus? What if you get hit by the bus? You know, 90% of your net worth is tied to this business and you're protecting the business building and you're protecting potentially the assets of the business. But what are you doing on, on, on your end and then on your people problem? Um, and so I've been building out this kind of financial business strategy department of this property casualty agency. And we're having immense success because we're involved in the, the customer's day, you know, yearly, at least probably three times a year, we're having conversations about their risk on a workers comp level, on a, a GL, a property, an auto level. But that conversation's able to be there and go in and say, Hey, you know, what, what happens if uh, your superintendent decides that he's got a better offer, offer with uh, Amazon? What are you going to do? How are you going to keep them? You know, what happens if your key supplier gets bought by a competitor and now you can no longer get this, this finite resource? What are you going to do? How are you going to ensure yourself on this? Um, and, and so we get creative. We, we do things key person retention plans. We do buy, sell reviews. Uh, we do what's known as an A31B micro captive, building your own insurance company. Um, 
and and it but it gets to the nuts and bolts of okay well what can we do because there's not there's no product that that solves all these things there's sometimes no product at all um but if we get creative we can figure it out and and through the experience i have i've seen what's worked i've seen what's not worked i'm still learning uh and i'll constantly be learning it um but that that's really what i'm trying to do do for the company is bring a level of ser- service and sophistication that no other competitor does today. Nonprofit's called Anchors Outdoor Adventures. Um, it's a passion project with a couple of buddies of mine. And the uh, what it's turned into is uh, 14 or so, 14 to 16 events a year, taking kids out to do outdoor action sports, essentially. Um, and so we do... Fishing, which is one of my big passions, water ski, wakeboarding, snowboarding, skiing, skateboarding. We're adding rock climbing. Um, we might add BMX mountain biking. Um, but we partner with the organizations that are either housing the kids, they're mentoring the kids. Um, it could be a substance abuse clinic. Um, and, and we simplified it down to a level of which you bring the kids, we do the event. And there's no cost. Just bring them. Um, and what we're trying to do is help them find an anchor in their life. And that's the, the term anchors outdoor adventures. It's, it's helping kids find anchors. It's awesome. I, man, it is incredibly rewarding. Um, and, and we've been so primarily self-funded for a number of years. Um, but now we're starting to get the word out and, uh, there's a lot of people that are very interested in helping out on it. Um, and there's a lot of room for expansion and, and going in other states. I've got people in Florida that are interested in starting up a team. I've got people in California that are interested in starting up a team, Texas. Um, and the idea is just to, to copy the model that we built and go do it yourself. Here's a trailer. Here's the gear. Go. Uh, well, first steps, find mentors. Um, that has been by far the greatest thing I ever did was find mentors. And a lot of uh, older gentlemen and ladies are willing to share their knowledge um, because that's just something that happens when you get older. You love to talk. Um, And so go buy, you know, three people that you say, oh, man, you've been successful. Go buy them lunch and try to buy them lunch once a quarter and just sit and listen and and ask challenging questions and figure it out whatever you've got going on and then bring them into a real world situation that you have. Say, Hey, here's what I'm doing. What would you do differently? Or how would you go about this? Um, use other knowledge. And, and it's kind of that don't recreate the wheel. Well, if you find people that have built that wheel, don't recreate it. Just go, go do what they did. <laughs> it will probably work out. Um, and, and, and the other is, is uh, again, be okay. Trying. Like, it's so okay. I, I met with a, I met with a young lady that, you know, she had, she had broken her back and uh, right out of college and was trying to get a job and couldn't get a job. Well, she, she heard about what I was doing. and was like, man, I, I want to come, come interview to potentially be on your team. And I was like, sounds great. Let's talk. And well, you know, I, I don't know that I'm going to hire her yet, but, um, she's, she wants to try well shit i can't ask for more than that you know that, okay and, and a young man i did hire um he was like i, I want to do this okay you know what's enticed yep i've had these conversations 
and I've been recommended to talk to you about this. All right, let's have the conversation. Let's see. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take a risk. Let's see. Let's let's make it happen. And, and you know, I would also add, I'm not unique in that um, there's a lot of people that have similar mindsets as I do. And this is not special. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not this unique, unique New York, whatever it is. It is, uh, there's a lot of people out there interested in helping other people because they've, figured out as I have figured out that if you help other people, uh, you'll, you help yourself. Um, it's kind of mm. like the, Oh, I, I'm going to butcher the same, but all, you know, all boats rise, you know, right. It's the same kind of concept. Well, if you can help other people in your network, they're going to help you. One day. Yeah. It, it's also the most fun way. It's, no doubt. There, there's nothing like, you know, I, as you said, I'm, I am a networking guy. Ninety-nine percent of everything I work on is referral based, um, which means you know I go to a lot of happy hours. I go to a lot of golfing events. I go to a lot of dinners. You know, every week I probably got three things going on. That's a goal of mine. Is every week I want to go to three different meetings, but just network meetings. I don't. I don't care if it's a client. I don't need them to be a client. I want to go build relationship with three people every single week awesome obviously the the one that i i live by is anything worth doing is worth doing right the first time and i can't speak that enough do your best on something that you you want yep do not um do not just gimp through and say oh this is gonna be fine no do it freaking do it and you know it's the can't remember his name. He wrote the book. You can't stop me. Um, that military guy that runs. Yeah. Insane dude. Right. Um, but some of the stuff I've listened to is just like, just do it. What, what, what do you mean? Oh, I'm blah, 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 blah. There's always an excuse. And I, I say this a lot. There's always an excuse, but you know, like, a and this is, <laughs> it's probably, uh, slightly inappropriate, but like a butthole, everyone has one. Doesn't mean I want to know about it, right? It's like I, I get it. Don't care. Go do. Do I hope I'll be remembered for it? Probably a willingness to give, give time, give money, give knowledge, give wisdom. Um, I never want to stop giving up my secret sauce. Because I was given secret sauce. Um, and so I, I hope that, you know, whatever day I croak, uh, you know, the obituary will read, he always gave. Mm. Yeah. It, it is. And it's a blessing. It's something, you know, I, I always say, you know, whenever it's buying lunch or something like that, it's people that fight me on it. It's like, don't take my blessing from me. Mm. Yeah, no, man, I just think that's just a wonderful, wonderful conclusion. Um, man, if you if you finish up, you know, look back at the end of life and you're remembered for somebody who was always willing to give. That's a uh, that's a life well lived. Um, it's a good question. Uh, LinkedIn. It's an easy way. Um, you can just Google my name, Zebediah Wade. I, I'm pretty much the only one that exists. So it's, it's easy to find me. I have 
that's a blessing, honestly. If you have kids, give them, give them a weird name. Uh, I some of my clients, the best thing is the nicknames they come up with. Uh, call me, and uh, yeah, that's another piece of wisdom from you. Uh, so yeah, LinkedIn. Um, I'm sure you guys can post my email up there. Um, you know, send me a note. I, I'm always willing to have a conversation with anybody. I don't, you know, I may not answer the first dial. I get a lot of phone calls, but if you leave me a voicemail, I guarantee I'll get back. Also just, you know, if, um, you can reach out to, to Nick or, and, and I can get my cell to Tyler too. You can reach out to the guys and just, you know, get my cell number. That's fine too. And send me a text. Um, happy to do whatever.